Let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Side Quest with Paladins of Podcast. And today we have Paladin Tucker with us. This is also Rob and Eli. How are we doing, gentlemen? I'm doing good. Uh, it's, a, it's a lovely rainy day. Man, the weather sucks. Yeah, I'm 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 doing real well. It's uh it's a gray and sort of nasty day out here as well. But uh, it's uh it's as my uh, my grandparents would say, spitting. It's spitting out there. Yeah, it's a little light drizzle, not quite a full rain, but mm-hmm. not a sprinkler, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's something you would kind of hear in the Midwest every now and then. So, yes. at least <laughs> at least I got a foundation. Um, I'm just today, glad I'm not snowed in. It's oh, got, uh, yeah, we're all uh, we're all northern U.S., aren't we? Like I am the Great mm-hmm. Lakes state, and you guys are northern part of uh, the West Side. No, I'm in uh, Massachusetts. Ah, okay. So you're okay. Okay. Northern Keeping everybody straight is hard. Yes. So, I mean, we got, uh, we're just really missing like Montana. We'd have the whole Northern coast covered. Um, Defenders of the North. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds epic. Today we want to talk about mechanics. Uh, not just necessarily the mechanics that we play, but what makes good mechanics. I mean, they're the backbone of our systems. We develop entire hobbies and passions for certain systems that have certain styles of gameplay and these mechanics. You know, we have roll over, roll under, roll d20, add static modifier, add dice pool, roll dice pool, uh, hit a target number. Uh, don't hit a target number. Uh, Hackmaster is kind of weird. It uses your percentiles. You have to be under a certain percent on D100s or D10s. Um, all these kind of things. So, guys, what makes them good and worthwhile? Eli, Tucker? That's a, what makes, like, that's a huge question, uh, I think, to say what, like, what makes mechanics good. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of it is just very is how you how you want your percentages to work out, and how how you want your probabilities uh, to to display. Um, but there is also like the tactile feel of like, are you rolling a bunch of dice? Are you rolling a small amount? Are you rolling frequently? Um, which can have a big impact uh, on how a game feels. So Eli nailed what I would say two. Uh, I would say are two of the three important points of mechanics. Um, first being obviously your percentages, which I think is the most vital point. Uh, second being, yes, the tactile feel, what you want it to feel like. And also just, is it practical? Um, Shadowrun fourth edition comes to mind where you could be rolling upwards of 30 D- D6s at once. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is a flaw in the system um, just from, the fact that it's hard it's it's literally hard to manipulate and then count that many dice in any sort of timely manner um the third point to me is uh i think it's really important to be able to um to be able to intuit your chance of success and explain that right so this is this is a little bit of a this is a little bit of a more complex concept than the other two basically 
if I have a task in a game, right, and I uh, am I'm, I'm playing that game, I have a character in that game, I want to be able to look at a given task and be able to just guess roughly, very roughly, how likely I am to succeed at it. Why is that important? Because it's how you compare characters. In other words, how do I know that one character is uh, physically strong? Well, he's better at doing this set of things than the guy who's not physically strong, right? In in D&D, you could say, um, well, this guy's more likely to succeed on your strength check, right? So are, are you saying the difference between like the probabilities and then being too into it, the probabilities is like what the numbers actually are and then how transparent that is to right. people playing the game? Can I, can I use, can I just jump right in and use one of my, um, two of my least favorite systems in terms of intuiting? Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. Now these are not bad <laughs> systems. These are in other ways, very, very, very good systems. Okay. And, and one of them actually is, is I have a fondness for it. I love it. It holds a special and dear place in my heart. But the problem is it's impossible to know how, how good it is, how, how easy it is to succeed on something without uh, looking at a chart. Those two systems are Star Trek Adventures and the fourth edition of Legend of the Five Ranks. Okay. Star Trek Adventures, for those who don't know, the resolution mechanic is you have uh, some number of D20s and you want to roll, uh, I think, under uh, your two of your stats put together. And okay. so... Oh, like, you, like the sum of your D20s? No, uh, it's um, it's uh, take highest. Or t so, uh, take lowest, I guess. Or no. So you, you take Maybe. either the highest or the lowest of one of your of one of your dies, and it has to be lower than the sum of two of your stats. I'm sorry, it's it's been a couple of years since I played the system, so I'm misremembering. Okay. I actually I think I'm wrong. I think it's actually um count successes. Okay. So it's it's yeah, this is right. So you're you're like rolling number of successes under a threshold. Number of successes under the threshold, which is your stat plus your um plus your uh two stats basically you have like a um a discipline stat and, a, and an ability stat and you add them together and that's your threshold okay so, so less common sure uh it well it's um it's modifius's proprietary system they mm -hmm. use it yeah. for uh john carter they use it for fallout um, conan the barbarian conan there the barbarian right no is there 2d20 system i Correct. think it's dune too uh that's the newest iteration i think you i think you're right yeah that sounds mm -hmm. right so I just think of it as the Star Trek Adventure system because that's where I first encountered it. So, like, let me ask you a question. Who's more likely to succeed at a roll? Somebody rolling two, uh, say the target number is one. Who's more likely to succeed? Somebody rolling 2d10 under 14 or somebody rolling uh, 2d20 under 14 or somebody rolling 3d20 under 11? 2d20 under 14. I, I don't uh, actually know the answer, by the way. Well, but like two, your, your threshold is one, right? No, your threshold is either fourteen or eleven, depending on who's rolling. So this is what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, and, but, but your but oh, your, your target number is one. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it should be two d twenty under fourteen because the amount of numbers you have at fourteen or lower are greater um, per die on the two d twenty than they are for the t the three d twenty and eleven. 
Right, but you get the extra chance with the third d20. So, so that's, a, that's a feel good die. It's, but... it's statistics. They're each independent. Uh, yep. You multiply the probability, uh, the probabilities by each other. Right. So the chance the chance that you don't roll one success is thirty percent times thirty percent. Um, or uh, the uh, the other one is forty five. Times, times 45, 45 times, times 45. 45. Okay, so my point here is we could compare this to what I consider the gold standard of intuitive systems, which is D&D, right? What's your chance? D20 add modifier. Add modifier, and against a variable target number, but a D20 is so easy because every side of a D20 is 5%, mm -hmm. so it's incredibly easy to estimate what your chances of success are, right? Right, but again, I mean, we're comparing something for the idea of a static number mm. that eventually it turns into a static number. I mean, whatever your modifier is plus whatever your die roll is against the mm. variable target. Yeah, isn't, so, it, isn't both cases you're rolling a d20 and you're trying to hit a, a set number? Technically, if you break it down to the the bare bones definition and explanation, I, yes. D&D is easier because you're, you're adding and then and you're and one, going up and that's... And one die. People's lizard brains are easier, yeah, with one die. <laughs> and one die. Well, the one die is actually critical, right? Because the one die is what turns it from a bell curve, which is what you get when you have two or more dice, into a flat line. Yeah. But you still have to deal with standard deviation, which this is all very mathematical and technical for most of our listeners. But when we talk about all these things, the bell curve is what you can expect on an average range. Mm -hmm. So the standard deviation for a D20 pinpoints at 11 and then you deviate from there to both sides mm -hmm. um yeah but a d20 is not a bell curve no but I, you but once you apply to your standard deviation you get the bell no, curve. no yes there's, a, there's an equal chance uh if if you're rolling a the same d20 a bunch of times then your average value is a bell curve but now, the okay, chance that's, the that's chance, fair yeah. That's fair, because when simulations roll this, they roll via random number generators, mm -hmm. uh, which is yeah. what creates the bell curve. And that, and that's not one static roll. It's not one guy rolling 10,000 times. So yeah. now that we've got the distinction, Tucker, we didn't mean to take that from you, uh, no. as you were saying. <laughs> uh, the, but that's, but this, is, this is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like for D&D, for &D, your, your chance of success is a very, it's a flat rate. It's very easy to do. You're... 1d20 plus 5 against dc 16 is a 50% chance of success. Against dc 17, it's a 45% chance of success. Against dc 17 against plus 4 is a 40% chance of success. Right? You can do this math in your head really easily. Just subtract the modifier from the dc, right? And then and then um you need to roll and multiply that by 5. That's it. So um, that's your percent. Uh, uh, no, so I'm sorry, I'm wrong. That's not. That's the. That's the percent chance of failure. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, but the point is, that math is super easy to do, and and humans are good at it. Humans are good at counting by fives. Humans are are good at sort of simple numbers. Now let me give you the ultimate example. Star Trek Adventures is one thing. Legend of the Five Rings 4th Edition is another. Are you two familiar with the roll and keep system? Yes. No. Okay, so the roll and keep system works like this. It's a dice pool system against fixed target numbers. Uh, 
now the fixed target number, however, is variable. So it's so you're gonna have DC five, you're gonna have DC ten or TNs, I think they call it. Mm -hmm. But because Alderac was very committed to not doing any single thing Wizards of the Coast did. Um, yeah, so, but call it like DC 15 is a pretty typical roll. Okay. TN 15. The way roll and keep works is you're rolling X, you're rolling XKY, which is you roll X D10s and you choose Y of them to keep and then add those up. And that's your roll total. So if you're rolling five, <laughs> awesome. you're rolling five keep three, right? You're you're rolling five dice. You're choosing usually your highest three, and comparing that to your total. Oh, also, if you roll a ten, it explodes, which means you get to roll the die again and add that result. And <laughs> that's some fun so, math. Yeah, it, it it was, and it got confusing because there were situations in this particular system where you could literally choose not to keep one die and essentially bank it for later, put it back in the pool for another use. Um, it got really confusing, and other systems did something similar. It it was, I mean, confusing. But once you got the hang of it, it wasn't hard to play. No, it's not. I'm not saying it's hard to play. But what I'm saying is, what's a what's a better what's a better roll? Okay, uh, four keep three or six keep two. I. Without knowing a target number, it's hard to justify. You don't know really because everything is everything feels up in the air. Right, but that's, right. But that's what and that's what I'm saying. Right, like let's say I'm comparing two characters, um, two samurai because we're in Legend of the Five Rings. It's a yep. it's a themed game based loosely on Japan. So if I've got a swordsman that's six keep two and a swordsman that's four keep three, and I'm trying to say which of these people is more skilled, the answer is basically like it depends. Also, I need a calculator. Right. Whereas I, I think that's a very fair criticism of a mechanical system. Right. Like so it's, it's, so it's hard to intuit how good your actual mechanics are, except for having a feel at the table of oh, that's or unless you're doing a, a, a significant amount of math. Yes, and but and by the way, the answer is four keep three, which is yes. not always intuitive to people, because the people our monkey brain goes ooh big die pool good. Mm, it's more important to have the extra kept die. So, um. What, all of this is to say, right, one of the great things about D&D is I can look at somebody's attack modifier and say, you are better at hitting people than other people. My 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 fighter who rolls, because he's proficient in long swords, rolls plus seven, and he's better than the wizard who rolls plus three at hitting people with long swords, right? So Although that... there is there is a difficulty to getting to that step of, like, you know, making all your numbers, but... Right. I very much agree. Once you have those numbers together, it's very easy to see strength and ability. So, Tucker, you really like being able to essentially size up a character based on looking at the mechanics that you can see on the character sheet. It's it's partially that and partially it it's um you're what you don't want is situations where players or GMs try to make a character that's good at something and fail because the, the 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 mechanics are unclear about what it actually takes to be good at something right okay. Okay. in other words if i'm playing and i'm going to i'm going to stick on l5r4e because i think that's probably the best example if i take l5r4e and i like 
and I, I, the extreme example is, let's say I take somebody who's got 10 keep one. He's got 10 keep one dice. And you look at that on a character sheet and you're thinking, oh, I rolled 10 dice. I must be really good at this thing. You're probably worse than somebody rolling three keep two. Right? Yeah. But that's right. not and intuitive. Now, as, as, so, all right. Yeah, Rob. As, as we look at that, though, we're looking at the opportunity for success versus the guarantee of success. So that in L5R, mm -hmm. the chance of success, you have the multiple chances of success that you have um, are where it becomes important. How many chances of success versus how many successes you can keep. So that is a mechanic that's different from D&D &D where you don't work with opportunity. You work with singularity role to succeed so they don't they only present you with the one option you don't have that's the that's the difference between dice pool and singular dice systems is singular dice systems you're only, only working with the one option dice pools you have opportunities to succeed uh more dice are more opportunities to reach success um which is partially the reason why i like dice pool systems versus singular dice eli you were gonna say well, cl clarity, like intuiting the success chance, that's one aspect of a, of a mechanical system. Um, do we have any games? So, like, wh what is a? Do we have any? Do we have any game systems or mechanics that we think hit all three of those categories, or do we think there's anything more important? I, I, I think that one. One system that generally does it well, as Tucker had mentioned, is really the D&D D20 system. Mm -hmm. You can intuit your characters. It's easy base math. It's well-rounded, which I, I hate to say, but it is. It's, it's well-rounded. Um, mechanically, it works. It's just not my favorite. And, and there's, I think there... there are easier games, though, that have, or easier to intuit success chances. But but there's also with D and D because we want to talk about this. There's the there's the tactile sort of feel of big number good. Yes. Yeah, that that right. is true. Everybody likes big numbers, especially in D and D. There and there's very there's very little that feels better in gaming than rolling a natural twenty on a d twenty. Right, because you know, I, I think if you roll max on any die, you get the same euphoric feeling. I think it's special with the d twenty because there are just so many sides though. I I think there is something special about a D the the D twenty, and I I definitely think it's the D and D bias of like it that's yeah. been a critical. It might be yeah. for like for ages. Um, mm -hmm. I'm guessing if you didn't, I, I'm guessing if you didn't play D and D as your first exposure at all, you might not know. But true, it's very yeah. pervasive. Now, as so far we've talked a lot about just dice and result but what about something as similar to uh 1980s tsr classic marvel superheroes where you roll your d20 percentiles and then you have to check a chart and then that chart based on your rank and your role tell you what degree of success or failure you've succeeded or failed with I mean, it was a quick system. It, it was actually, once you know your rank and die number, you roll, look at number, look at chart, move on. It was very quick and simple. Um, but how about that feel? There are um, still games that do similar check, like uh, check your roll to a graph. 
I I think games that have too many charts and tables that you're looking up start straying more into at least for me that strays more into like board game category, um, like I think there's but that's just my preference. Um, I think those are somewhat easy to intuit since you have a table, but if the tables if if there's like twelve different variables going into it, you you still might not know like the exact chance of that result you're looking for. It's also um, part of part of the intuitiveness that I, f I feel like is not impossible to do here, but difficult to do here is I want to know if a role is good. Yeah. Like I want to, because I want to have that. Um, I want players to have that speaking as a DM, I want players to have that, um, that euphoric feeling of, yes, I rolled well, you know, like I rolled the dice, boom! Ah, oh, yeah, that's awesome, and that's that's something that you can have uh, in. That's not like D and D does that well, but there are other systems that do that well. Um, Shadowrun Fourth Edition or New World of Darkness, which are both actually the same resolution mechanic, secretly, um, they do that very well, right? You you can look at the die pool and go, oh yeah, that's a lot of eights, that's a lot of sixes, you know, for Enwad and Shadowrun respectively. So like, yeah, but like if I, if I have to, I feel like if I have to go to a, 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 a chart or a graph every time, like unless I've started to memorize what the things on that particular chart are, you know, yeah, which I can see happens in time. So what about a system like uh, Tenra Bancho Zero, where you have a dice pool and when you buy skill ranks, you're buying your target number. So skill rank zero means you'll never succeed. Skill rank one means you have to get one, you have to roll uh, like one or lower. Skill rank two is roll two or lower. Skill rank three, three or lower. Skill rank four, four or lower on up to D6 because it's a D6 based system. I mean, now you are, you're developing your own target number based on your own skill ranks and your dice pool is uh, rather static modified every now and then by certain items or enhancements. So now we know we we got rid of the chart. The player determines their target number for successes on skills, and all of a sudden it's all in the player control. Yeah, that's that's, that's weird. I mean, it's, it sounds kind of sounds interesting. It's yeah. definitely interesting. Yeah. Uh, but again, those are roll uh, roll under mechanics. I don't like roll under mechanics personally. Yeah, I prefer I'm... I prefer rollovers. Monkey monkey brain says big number good. I will <laughs> die on that hill. <laughs> yeah. I can agree. It's easy for me to want to roll over everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I we... think the like the only time that I really use roll unders is for uh, for ability scores for some and games that has you roll under them. Hack Hackmaster had a little bit of a roll under system, doesn't it? You roll your that's the one time skill yeah. your percentage, and, yeah. which um, when I played in our Gen Con. Was it Gen Con? It was our Gen Con game. Yeah. Um, I had to get used to that, but with the entire sheet of my abilities below, it was very easy to just oh, here's the number I got to hit and roll under. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like them to be overly used. I'd pre I'd prefer if there was like one or two instances of roll under. I, the only time I really go for roll under, and and even this I don't particularly like, is in a percentile system, where if um if somebody says to me. 
you know, all right, you're, and Call of Cthulhu, which is a system I have huge problems with, but this is one thing I think is defensible in it. You know, the way Call of Cthulhu skill works is it's percentile. You have a 70% chance of succeeding, so you need to roll your percentile dice and roll 70 or under. Okay, that makes sense. Do you Still prefer, don't think easy. Like, do, do you prefer if that percentage were flipped, where you have to roll over 30? Yeah, but then you're also, in a sense, like, I, I, as I said, I will die on the hill of big number good. Yeah. Um, the, the way you wind up with that is your skills become like your failure ratings and you want to roll over them. So now you're in a position where a skill of 10 is way better than a skill of 90. And that just doesn't. Mm. So it, I, this, this comes to a little bit of design flaw there. Um, and I get that because if you have skill 90 and you're like, ah, shit, that, that's worse than skill 10, you're definitely not going to feel awesome rolling <laughs> at certain right. percentiles. Right. Now, I've, I've seen some games that will uh, that modify that by saying, okay, your skill builds up, but now you'll roll and you'll add it against a target number or uh, against the other person rolling and adding their skill. That that was a system that I was trying to work out when I was initially working with with my idea for Dark Noir. And Tucker had a very long post, and eventually it came down to scrap the system, start over. And the idea that I would I'd been trying to work up is your ability scores are your base. It's a pool based system. Ability scores are base, and then you either develop larger target thresholds per die, automatic successes, or additional dice with the intent to keep the game difficult. But all math, all the math says that your chances of success are useless anyway. You're never going to succeed on a majority of rolls. Uh, well, whereas I want it hard and it plays great at the table, mathematically it's much different. It sucks. Um, so that, that probability aspect comes into play when you start going for more dice. I was well, going to tie this in like, a lot harder. <laughs> a, a, a game that had like powered by the apocalypse has mm -hmm. a a fairly low success rate because really you're only succeeding if you like perfectly if you roll that six so that's that's a clever way of well you didn't roll the perfect success of six but you do partially succeed on the on the four four five no uh the power of the apocalypse is 10 plus seven to nine six minus on two dice Oh yeah, oh, uh, but there there are two dice. Um, there's a, I guess that would be just a d6 system where you succeed on sixes. Um, well, but... well, that but there's a very important difference between those two systems because as we were talking about earlier, two d6 is bell curve, six is a flat rate. That's true. Um, and this is actually so this only matters for um systems that happen. This isn't something we've talked about at all, which is degrees of success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in system with degrees of success, bell curves are extremely important. And the reason is empowered by the apocalypse, empowered by the apocalypse was just a straight D20 system, right? Um, we could say that, uh, your chance of failure was like 70%. And this, these are bad numbers. Don't ever get to design a game with these numbers. Let's say your chance of failure was 70%. Your um, and then the, the next three numbers were your partial success, and the three numbers after that 
for your full success, well, then they'd have an equal chance despite being the same number spread, right? Yeah. But powered by the apocalypse, the thing about rolling 2d6 is those rolls, because of the bell curve, are going to cluster around 7. So in, in Powered by the Apocalypse, um, and this is actually um, one of the cheats, is that a um, Powered by the Apocalypse uses stats from minus 2 to plus 3. People think the baseline stat is 0. It's actually plus 1. But um, <laughs> so what's, what's going to happen is if you have your, your plus 1, basically, your rolls are going to so heavily cluster around 7 that what's going to happen is the game's going to keep moving because you keep getting partial successes, but complications come your way as well, yeah. which is part of the ingenious nature of the design of that particular system. I think I think that the the, um, the apocalypse world call it dice system is very 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 clever. So it's See, it's one of my favorites. The way you explain it there is similar to the way fudge dice work, where you have your negatives and your pluses, and you range mm -hmm. from negative two to plus two, and uh, you add and subtract all your plus and negative dice to find your total number. <laughs> uh, and that and that's your degree or ranges of success. And and so I fudge dice is the one system on on the planet where I well aside from L5R4E where I don't intuitively know how the math works. <laughs> fudge dice. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of them. It uh, they're just D6 dices with a blank side and a plus and minus side. And two of two of each, so you get blank, blank, plus, plus, minus, minus. Oh, okay. Yep, and blanks are zeros. Pluses take you up a point. Minuses bring you down a point. You do the math through all five dice. Your final number is the uh, the number in which you rolled. Interesting. It's it's kind of weird. It takes a little. It takes a little bit of getting used to, much like any new game. So. Uh, now we've talked about the idea of probabilities. What do you guys like for probabilities for chances of success? I mean, what what makes a good game? Easy is a hundred percent every time success. Mm. You know, hard. Where does hard start? 90, 80, 70, 60, 50, 40, 30, zero. I I think there's a different. There's a number of different ways you can define like success. Like, and that depends on your game. Like, do you want your game to start like small? Like where they build and like where they start fighting, like you know, they're, you're fighting boars in the forest at one stage, and then you're building up. Um, and and where are those benchmarks? Like, is is the first benchmark fighting a god, or is the first benchmark you know going up from fighting a fighting a boar to you know fighting several boars at once, or now you're fighting orcs? Um, I think that's the first. The first question you should ask. That's fair. Tucker, how do you feel? So I can't find the source right now. Um, I can't find the source of this quote, but uh, my understanding is that Gary Gygax once said when asked this question uh, that you want players to succeed on a fair-ish role about 60% of the time. All right, so define fair-ish. Like, in your opinion, a fair-ish role. Uh, by, by which I mean to say a, a, a something that's not easy, but something that's not hard. Like an average... So a medium-average role. Right. You want them to be... You want them to succeed. Now, because the thing is, if I asked you what's a perfectly fair chance of something happening, what would you say? This is 
obvious question. Don't think about it. 30%. Okay, the answer I was looking for was 50-50, right? That's like a fair chance of something happening. Oh, oh a fair yeah. that, That's a misconception. That, that yes. breaks everything down to yes or no, and life isn't just yes or no. Y yes. I, 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 <laughs> yes. But what I'm trying to say is an even chance of something happening, right? And e Let's say an even chance rather than the yep. fair. An even chance of something happening is 50-50. Here's yes. the thing. Humans suck at probability. Yeah. We are so bad at intuitively understanding probability. Yes. Um, and here's, this is, and, and one of my favorite pieces of evidence for this, uh, is, um, there's a game called XCOM 2. It's a video game. Yeah. Which is very well regarded. But if you, if you haven't played, it's a great game. It's one of the best turn-based strategy games ever created. And it's regarded as a very sort of fair system. It feels fair. It, it feels like hard shots are hard and easy shots are easy, okay? And the thing is, they tell you what the percentage is for every single roll you do, for, for every attack you make. They tell you, oh, this has a 70% chance of succeeding. Oh, this is an 80% chance. This is 60%, 50%, right? And it feels right. I can tell you because I've, I've played yeah, hundreds like of hours so. of this game. Okay, here's the secret. On every level except the most difficult, it, adds, it secretly adds 10% to your roll. So incremental 10% increase yeah. is good. It's, it, the game tells you that a, that a chance is 50-50. It's actually 60-40. It tells you that the chance is 80-20. It's actually 90-10. And that's, a, that's a, a flat rate, rate uh, change. It's not a, a change in ratio, right? So it's just a flat 10% chance added to your chance to hit. Which is as you said, hidden. It's unknown. It tells us one thing, but it's actually right. giving us a hidden bonus we do not the see or recognize. is literally lying to you to make it feel right. Okay. So, so how do you translate that into a die roll? Well, this is, this is what I mean, is um, to me, right, we feel like what, what we say should be an even chance of succeeding is a 50% chance. But what, what humans like what humans perceive to be a fifty percent chance is actually closer to sixty percent. Because you, you want to be winning those fair yes. chances. Yes. You want to have an edge. You secretly happens, want to have an edge. It happens Which all is, the time in like war gaming, because you're mm -hmm. like, I want to win. Like there's there are fifty fifty rolls all the time and sometimes you're winning, sometimes you're losing. Which to, to equate to a, a real-life scenario, for example, casinos generally have a uh, a little edge. I mean, it's generally mm -hmm. 60 to 65% in the favor of the house uh, at the absolute most. Sometimes it's 51%. But the player is always at the disadvantage, and that does not boast well for many, um, many gamblers. Mm -hmm. And translating that to mechanics, we don't like that. We don't like losing. Yeah, and at the end of the day, all the all players are gamblers, but gamblers that want to, you know, all gamblers want to be ahead. Mm -hmm. So, game masters want them to be ahead. That's why the systems that we play are so important, and why so much thought goes into the mechanics to it. Which is why yeah. I thought it'd be good to talk about, especially trying to develop some. Um, I, I think sixty to seventy is like a good percentage. Um, so, of, so.
so what I what I will generally do is my percentages in the games I make, and I've I've made a few. My percentages are I usually have a good, average, and bad. You're good at something, you're average at something, you're bad at something. For me, almost always, those percentages are 75%, 66.6%, and 50%. And the reason for that is it actually scales ratio-wise. That means if 75% means you succeed three times as often as you fail, 66% means you succeed twice as often as you fail, and 50% means you succeed as often as you fail. So despite those not being numerically consecutive in any way, um, they're consecutive ratio-wise. And what that means is, um, because people tend to, um, especially in systems where failures are dangerous, people tend to over, over uh, 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 value, overweigh, um, overrate, I guess, failures. People will people will emphasize failures in their memory. Yeah. So because of that, you want to actually give the players a mechanical edge on successes. So make it easier for players to succeed and bake that into the game. Yes, but in a way that's not going to be noticeable, just, just enough of an edge that it feels fair, even though it's actually cheating in favor of the players. A lot of the times, I think games will use the other, like the players' abilities, to help give them that edge, mm -hmm. like in in mm -hmm. failure or success chances. Again, then I, you I can make the dice that. rolls fair, or um, but then the players can cheat mm -hmm. in other, those other manners. So one thing I have seen, and it it raises the question because as we're talking about making things easier for the players. To equate to more video games, Dark Souls is one of the hardest video game styles. In fact, it's just an entire genre. Dark Souls style, genre of video game, are deathly hard. It's uh, Everything you're doing is, you know, barely succeed or die. And mm -hmm. death is so frequent, so common. And some players like that aspect in their tabletop games. But building that, you're really nailing yourself into a niche market. How do you guys feel about such a difficult system? I think part of the difficult, like part of the excellence of Dark Souls as a difficult system is that it's single player mm -hmm. in that all the, all the failures you make are really your own mm -hmm. and you're the only one to blame for it and you're the only one impacted by it. And then you go back and you try the same thing to get your souls back and you basically train that skill that was weak. Um, but in a group game if your character fails really badly like there's part of that's the embarrassing embarrassment factor of being like at a social table and your character failed um and then also everyone's impacted by that like so there's a kind of a snowball and effect kind of compounding that by every player experiencing the same thing um yeah. Tucker, you're right that wouldn't really be a fun system would it well, there's also um, the other thing about the souls like right is that it's 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 there's there's two things about it. One of which Eli sort of alluded to. Um, the first of which is number one, you get infinite chances at it because it's a single player game. 
the game the game doesn't end for you i mean there are i guess souls like where it's game over if you if you mm-hmm. die but that's less common in the genre i think and then um the other thing about it is um it's skill based um souls like is as eli said you go back and you train and then you can eventually beat the thing it's not random um having to I mean, if there was a a a game that that blocked progression randomly, like it was truly random, um, and you just had to save scum over and over again until you got that role, that would be very frustrating. Like if if imagine for example, and and this is why the, every single DM book will tell you not to do this. Imagine, for example, there was a video game where the only way to get to, I don't know, the boss of the level or to get out of the level or to finish the game, basically, was to go through a locked door and you had to succeed on a lockpicking check. And there was no way to force it to succeed. You just had to... Uh, you, you had fail, to... You just restart the game. You fail, you just restart the game. Um, so assume that you don't get infinite tries at it also, right? Like... Mm-hmm. That would be, that would be awful. <laughs> I mean, you would just randomly, you would just, you would just, you would just randomly, you know, uh, you would just randomly die. Press, you know, it's it's you 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 oh you didn't roll high enough. Your game is over. Now there are um, there are aspects to that, right? There's, I mean, combat is technically a long string of those in games where dying is game over. Um, or, or well, in like turn-based games where it's based on a random chance not on skill-based games like dark souls yeah but um ultimately ultimately um i think that's the big thing like the big thing is in dark souls you physically have skill that impacts if you're living or dying mm-hmm. and in a game you don't have any skill. Your skill was picking up a rock and dropping it. And then you got no real control over that. And if the whole game is is that and really hard, it just it just doesn't feel rewarding. But but then now now the point is you can mitigate that, right? Like there are ways to mitigate that through in-game bonuses, modifiers, items, whatever you want to call it. But at that point, why are you rolling? At that point, the game becomes find enough modifiers that the roll can't fail. So, so why even roll? Why even roll? I I get that. I, I get that, and that that takes a while for some people uh, to understand, especially when it's it's breaking down. Um, now, Tucker, you love Apocalypse World. Eli, mm-hmm. you play a lot of Hackmaster. Um, I'm a huge Pathfinder One E fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Eli and I are pretty much in the same crunchy camp. But the systems are de- at least derivative compared to yours, which is an outlier uh, compared to ours. If there was another system mechanic that we would jump ship, what would it need to have? Like, what would get what would get you guys to change direction? I always like opposed roles. Like, I like it when, like, either the people are rolling against each other or. You like get to actively see uh, two different sets of dice roll against each other. There's more people rolling at the table. For me, I want it to be quick. 
I want it to be quick and easy to learn, quick and easy to play. I want to be able to, if I'm investing in a new system right now, I am not at the stage of my life where I want to, where I need to read a 500 page book to understand how to resolve mechanics. Okay. I want mm -hmm. it to be quick to play. I want to be quick to learn. I want to sit down and get gaming with it tonight. That's, that's my standard. And, um, and, and that's not, um, an indictment of more complex games at all. Uh, they're some of my greatest RPG memories have been with games like D and D, which are just so, or Pathfinder, which are just so, um, complex, which I'm not using as a bad word. Right. Um, but for me to, to really, I don't know. I just think we're in an age where with the, the demands on time that I experience as an adult in my early 30s, you know, I'm going to, um, it might be better to say that I'm going to give my focus to games where I can read through it in 20 minutes and explain it to my friends in 10. Yeah, that's fair. I think at this point, I'd like to jump ship and try to figure out a uh, system where the game master, the storyteller, the narrator, the educator, educator um, the adjudicator, does not roll dice. Yeah. I think that'd be kind of fun. Uh, but I hate to wrap it up so quick. We got a few time constraints right now. Um, it's a conversation I'd like to try to pick up again later. Uh, we'll talk about other sort of mechanics. Eli Tucker, thank you. Um, you can always find everybody online at epictablegames.com or on Facebook. And for all of your D20 or most of your other SRD needs, check out the Open Gaming Network. We'll see you next time. Okay, new intro. We've changed the name, and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about 200 years, but okay. Okay.